Good morning, everyone. We say we're all God's children, and this is God's house, so welcome home. I'm going to give you just a moment to gather your thoughts and have some peace of mind. Take three slow breaths. Let's worship the living God. Please rise as you are able for the call to worship. God is love. God abides in us. Let us worship the God of love. We invite you to join us in our opening hymn. It is number 366.
Again, welcome to worship this morning at Westminster, however long or short you've been coming here. Here is a gathering where we can grow in the spirit, worship the living God, and learn more about how better to serve that spirit. Let us join together now in our community prayer found in your bulletin. Let us pray. Loving God, you know we are reluctant to see ourselves as you see us. We try to forget our pain by being busy with many activities. We are anxious and do not know peace because we live with that pain. Forgive our fear of being transformed by your forgiveness and love. May we see ourselves through the lens of love that you see us. Guide us to new life through Christ our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. We continue our prayers in silence. Friends, the prodigal son, when he returned to his father, said, I've missed the mark. I'm not worthy. And the father opened his arms and said, Welcome home. This is the divine spirit, our mother, father, God, who awaits us and welcomes us always. Thanks be. I'd like to now invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to come join me here at the front. Whoa, you guys are fast. All right. Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big fan of fruit. And I'm especially excited that the summer's coming because, oh, you get so much good fruit in the summer. Summer's not quite here, so I was eating sort of my old standby the other day, an apple, and I cut into it, and I was taken by the seeds there in the middle of the apple. You can kind of see them over there, right? The seeds. And so I, I was thinking about seeds as I was eating my apple, and how spectacular they really are. I mean, they're tiny, right? Let's see if I can get one out. Look at how small that thing is. I mean, whoa, that thing is teeny tiny, right? And that's, what, that's true of most seeds. So you're a fan of the apple too. And, and saw some seeds? Excellent. Um, but seeds are pretty amazing because you plant them, right? You plant them and something pretty spectacular grows that's big and vibrant. But it doesn't grow necessarily all by itself, right? Once you plant the seed, you have to do a little something to it, right? You have to water it. Exactly. You have to water it. Sometimes you have to make sure you've planted it in the right spot. Like some seeds like shade. Some seeds like sun. Uh, you have to water it. Sometimes if it starts growing out of control, you might have to uh, manage it a little bit. And then when the fruit's ready, you have to pick it. So it takes a decent amount of work. But as long as you put that effort in, 
beautiful things grow out of it, right? Sometimes flowers come from seeds and fruit, all kinds of food. It's pretty amazing. So I was thinking that love is a little bit like that. I was thinking about love because later on in worship, the adults are going to hear a scripture passage that says love about like, I don't know, Jeff, two dozen times do you say love in that scripture passage? Um, Lots of love in our scripture passage today. And I was thinking love is a little bit like that seed. You know, if we tend our love, if we share our love, if we show love to others, if we treat others with kindness and compassion and love, then it grows too, right? It grows and grows and grows. And maybe if I share God's love with you, you might then share it with someone else. Who might then share it with someone else? Love's pretty amazing like that, kind of like a seed. Once it's planted, once it's rooted, once it's shared with others, it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Pretty amazing how love works like that. So this week, I want you to think about how you might share that love with someone else and see how it might grow and bloom and sprout in your life or in the life of someone else. Try it and see what happens. All right, you guys are going to head out to Sunday school with Jen. You can follow her into Finley Hall. Before you go, just an announcement for you all out there. If you're in middle school, you're going to stay here in worship. If you're in high school, you have a class in the youth room, all right? Go now in peace, go now in peace, may the love. So today during our time of community prayers, we're going to use a bidding prayer, which we've done a number of times before, and I will raise several areas for us to focus on in prayer and also open up a couple places where we talk about the people that we're concerned about, the places we're concerned about, where all of you are invited to raise your voices and speak out as you choose to mention things that you would like to bring to the attention of the whole group. And not to worry if you do something at the same time as somebody else. Our divine master multitasks very well. So let us pray. God, we thank you for spring, for the renewal of nature that we see around us, for buds and flowers, and trees, for warmth and sun, for light that reminds us of your care and your light and your spirit, which is infused so much around us in this season. God, there's always so much on our hearts and minds as we consider the people around us, family members, relatives, friends, others. And we pray for those that we know to be suffering in body or mind or spirit or who are in sadness. And hear us now, Lord, as we mention their names. Hear us.
And as we consider our world with the many places that people and communities deal with hurt or trauma, Lord, hear us as we mention those communities or places which are on our minds and hearts today. Lord, hear us. We do pray for societies and communities and persons that we know experience oppression and injury and violence and always we pray for healing and peace on the part of both victims and their oppressors. And we pray for those on the edges of our society, for the homeless among us who have their last night with us this week for those whom we serve, not only from this church, but those who are served around the communities of Marin. We thank you for members of our church who reach out and prepare meals and connect and move beyond the labels. And we pray for those who speak out in our society and others against what is unfair or unjust and who speak truth to power and we pray also for the peacemakers and the healers. And God, we pray for this church, for our gathering place, Westminster, for its leaders, for us as a community, as we discern our future, as we make commitments to continue this witness of faith and compassion and service into the future. These and other prayers we bring and we share not only with one another, but with you, knowing that you are always with us, loving us, encouraging us. And we thank you for the hope and the care that we have in you as we pray the prayer Jesus taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Got a soapbox I can stand upon. God gave me a stage, a guitar, and a song. My daddy told me, son, don't you get involved in politics, religions, other people's clothes. 
First scripture reading is from Psalm 119. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Go away from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. 
Uphold me according to your promise that I may live, and let me not be put to shame by my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe, and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes, for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you count as dross, therefore I love your decrees. My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Holy wisdom, holy word, but kind of depressing, if I could say that. Second reading comes to us from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Please listen to what the Spirit is saying. Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has it ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given of us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. Those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Did you catch that little bit of disagreement there? David says he's afraid of God's judgments, and then John says, I'll be bold in the face of God's judgments. So I guess what we're left with is this, God is love, and I'm afraid of God's judgments, but I'm bold thing. And that's kind of confusing. But fortunately for you, I took a lot of notes. I wrote a lot of things down and tried to figure this out. And it seems apparent to me that there are people in this world that aren't afraid. We see them standing up for themselves, and we've seen that with with this Me Too movement, people speaking up of the ways that they've been hurt. And they don't seem to be afraid of those in power anymore. And everyone says that's a good thing. And I agree. But have you noticed we all seem to be afraid of what other people think about us in different levels and different degrees? You know, I'm I'm afraid that they don't think I'm smart enough 
or i'm afraid they don't think i'm successful enough or i'm afraid they don't think i'm pretty enough or funny enough or sometimes it changes over time where people used to think you were pretty and now they don't <laughs> or people used to think you were successful and some things happen and now they don't or people used to think you're funny and now they don't and so we have this odd issue that we're afraid of the judgments that we get from other people. So it's confusing, but again, I got a lot of notes here. And we could try a couple of theories uh, to figure this out. But one of them, I think, starts with this. That I played quarterback in high school. And that doesn't, that doesn't seem real because I'm kind of a little guy. But there are people that protected me. Uh, called linemen, and there was one play in particular that I looked forward to more than anything, and it was, and it, and it happened, it was called Split Right 28 Sweep Special, <laughs> special, that play is special, and it was especially special to me. Now, if you knew the playbook of J.R. Tucker High School, the football team, circa 1996, you'd know what all those words mean. Split right, 28 sweep special. Split right tells our wide receivers which place to line up at. We have two wide receivers. One's called a flanker. They generally run deep routes. One's called a split in. They generally run intermediate routes. And it should be noted that if Liam Apprendick is guarding them, they're not going to catch anything. But I just had to point that out because he's that good. Fortunately, he wasn't playing in the 90s. So at least not against me. So split right. 28 sweep special tells our split in they line up on the right. 28, split right 28 sweep special tells you who's going to get the ball. 20 is a tailback. You see, I am number one. I like to stay right there for a minute. <laughs> that has nothing to do with talent, I can assure you. That is simply the way that the plays are designed. That I'm the number one person, and the tailback is the number two person, and the fullback is number three. And so if the play is 11 or 13, then I have the ball. If the play is 20-something, then the tailback gets the ball. If the play is 30 base or 32 trap, then I give the ball to the fullback, who's the person lined up directly behind me. But this is split right 28 sweep special. So that means the tailback, the person furthest behind me, is going to get the ball. And the eight there, split right 28 sweep special, tells you where he's going to go. You see, the odd numbers mean we're going to the left. The even numbers mean we're going to the right. There's one, three, five, and seven. And then over here to the right, there's two, four, six, eight. So if it's 22, he's going to go in here. If it's 25, he's going to go out there. If it's 28, he's going to go way out there. Split right, 28, sweep, special. Sweep tells our linemen, those people who are bigger and stronger than me, whose job it is to protect me from other people who are bigger and stronger than me, Sweep tells them where they're going to go. Two of them are going to sweep to the right and create a path for Mr. 20, who's going to get the ball running to the eight hole. Split right, 28, sweep, special. I can't tell you what's special about it just yet. But so what I do is I go up to the line of scrimmage, and before the play is started, I go up and I look at the defense, and I look at all 11 of those people and see where they are, and I try to decide if I should move someone in motion before the play begins, if I should move someone around. But I look, and they're lined up just the way we thought they would be. This is good. <laughs> this could be special. So I say down to the hike, and I take the ball, 
and I turn around and I give it to the tailback who's going to run to the right. And if you've ever seen this on television and you wonder why they turn this way and don't just give it that way, it's because I don't want to hit the fullback in the butt with the ball. So I turn and get a wider angle, give the ball. So the running back, Mr. Balewa Hendi, starts running to the right. And Balewa is a strong guy. He's got a stronger arm than me. Not as accurate, maybe, of a throw, but he can throw far. And he can do lots of different athletic feats. And this is what makes the play special. Because when I do this, then I start to run out here and act like I have the ball. And that's supposed to fake the defense out so that they don't chase my friend Balewa. And, but they actually are chasing him. <laughs> and they want to get him. And so I'm running out here, and it's split right 28 sweep special. So Balewa is going to stop, and he's going to throw the ball to me. <laughs> now, if you're a quarterback, this is a dream, because you get to watch other people run into the end zone all the time and celebrate with your friends, and you're 20, 30 yards back there going, good job. So I'm running up the field, and there's no one in front of me, nothing but green pastures, and a snail could run to the end zone, and this is finally my moment. Friday night lights shining down, friends and family watching, we're about to beat Douglas Southall Freeman, our big rival, and this is finally it. Play with throws the ball, and it's coming, and it, you know it goes right through my hands <laughs> and hits the ground. I, didn't even, I can't even tell you that I dropped it, because I don't even remember touching it. <laughs> I just... And you know what I did? I just went, oh, and I just slapped my legs. And I would have laid there and wept, but there's a timer and you have to get off the field before the next play. <laughs> the only saving grace in that moment was that the play worked so well up until the point where I didn't catch the ball that surely our coaches would give me another chance. And do you know in a year and a half, they never called that play again. <laughs> They got burned. They got a little disappointed. We practiced it. Never call it again. And I think it kind of, and, and I wish, of course I wish we'd done it again. I wish I had another chance. Because what kind of joy and wonder that would have been. I mean, not just for me, for my friends, but seeing a trick play work like that. You know, because they don't, they don't happen all the time. And it's funny to me, I think we, we face this in our lives all the time. That we try something, and we get burned, and we get disappointed, and it doesn't work, and then we say, you know, I'm not going to do that again. And what we end up doing is we end up closing ourselves off from the disappointment and the worry and the anxiety of it, but we also close ourselves off from the joy and the wonder of if it goes right the next time. So what do we do then? Do we live in, is it safer to live in fear and worry of the future of these things? Because, you know, many of us have experienced this. We've prayed for healing or we've prayed that God would do something extraordinary and it didn't happen, or at least not in the time that we thought it should. And so we said, you know, I'm not going there. I'm not going to have faith like that again. I'm not going to pray like that again. Or we know people that have these really amazing stories of, how they heard God's voice. And, you know, we so badly want that. And, you know, we read books and we do pilgrimages and we fast and we pray and we sing and we do everything possible, but we just never quite have that sort of transcendent moment 
And so we just say, oh, you know, it's not for me. It's not for me. Or maybe, you know, we've revealed something about ourselves in church or in our marriage or in our family life, our friends, and, and it was met with criticism and judgment. And so we stop opening ourselves up. And yeah, we're protected from that, but we're also protected from the love that we might experience from others. So how do we get there? I mean, what, what's the solution to that? I have a few theories, because, you know, I got a bunch of notes here. Um, let me see. I'm going to try. I'm not going to try all these out on you, but I'll try a couple here. All right, let's try this. Maybe what I should do is just try to make sure that if, if I'm afraid that I don't want people, if I'm afraid that they're going to criticize me or judge me or put me to some standard I can't live up to, then maybe I should just try to make sure that everyone's happy. You know, that everyone likes me. I should just be a people pleaser. And, you know, I'll give you an example. For instance, we, you're familiar with these national student school walkouts where teenagers across the country have walked out of their schools at different occasions uh, to advocate for their own lives in response to the gun violence that happens in our schools. And I thought to myself, our young people need to know that this church has their back and we're going to support them in some way. And so we penned a letter, and we put it on church letterhead, and your session, the governing board, unanimously approved it. Your senior pastor signed off on it. Your clerk of session signed off on it. And that letter is said. <laughs> Susan put her eyes out. What did I sign? <laughs> and in that letter it says, you know, we believe that these school walkouts are, are an official religious activity by the people of Westminster Presbyterian Church based on these moments in scripture, these passages, and also based on these moments in Christian history and tradition. So we would appreciate it if you excuse our students in accordance with state law, and they will make up their work in a time that's convenient for you. And people here were so happy about that. And I was so proud. I told this to some of the other people that do ministry in the area and around the country, and they said, what are you doing? That's a terrible idea. You're picking sides. You're getting too political. You're going to push people away when you do that. So you know what I should have done is I should have just done nothing because you would have never noticed, and those people would still like me. <laughs> I mean, we do a lot for people that are suffering here, the oppressed, whether it be within the realms of immigration or poverty. And people have said things like, well, you know, if you just keep giving them things and you're only enabling their lifestyle and they'll never, you know, find a better life. And so maybe we should just stop doing that, you know, because they, you know, criticism hurts. I see a couple of you looking at me like I'm a little crazy right now. <laughs> so I guess that theory... So are you saying, so I guess the idea that we should just please everyone, that's, that's not going to fly here, I guess. So I got, I got some others. That one's, I know you're not going to like that one. So, all right, how about, how about this one? Maybe what we should really do is just do what David said and be afraid of God's judgment. Because, you know, people are flawed, but, you know, God is so perfect, and, and I'm flawed. I make mistakes. I mean, I can always give more, pray more, serve more, and, you know, my intentions and heart isn't always in the right place, and so maybe I should just be afraid of God's judgment, because I'm going to face it, right? And 
And that's, that's what I, how I should live my life, just motivated by that kind of fear. And if I, I see again some of you looking at me like I'm a little weird right now. So you say, I shouldn't do that then? I shouldn't, I shouldn't live out of fear of other people's criticism. I shouldn't live out of fear of God's judgment, even though that's what David did. So, let me see here. I think, I mean, maybe the solution then is, you know, we're trying to, to, to have these, when we have these experiences of fear, I think what I'm gathering from you is we have these experiences of fear and we, we start to kind of put it on other people and you're not going to let me do that. You know, you, I've had some bad experiences, and I don't want you to have those bad experiences either, and you're not going to let me put that fear on you. You know, we do that to each other. We, in some ways, we even eat a piece of chicken, and it doesn't work out very well. So letting you live with that fear isn't good for anybody, I guess. But then, I tell you, you know what we really need to do? We need to just have a conversation about this, since you seem to know so much about it. Excuse me, Harville. Get this. Because, you know, the reality is I'm just a lowly youth guy. What do I know? I don't wear those cool robes and fancy collars and stuff, and I don't have a bunch of titles before and after my name, I and mean, what do I know? So you know so much about this, and maybe you can help me out, because you're just telling me that I shouldn't be afraid of other people's standards in my life. That's what you told me, right? I shouldn't be afraid of that. But don't you sometimes get afraid of how people, what people say about you? I mean, your, your kids or your parents? your closest friend, aren't you, don't you get afraid of that? And you tell, But you're telling me not to be afraid of it anymore. Well, I, I think I see where you're going with this. I think I see this. Because we only accept the love that we deserve, right? And if we think we only deserve the amount of love that people are willing to give us, then that's very limiting. But if we believe we can accept the kind of God the kind of love that God gives us, that really elevates the kind of love we can have in our life. And so what I think I'm getting from you is that I should really just focus on the, the love that God has, but shouldn't that mean that I'm afraid of God also? Because what if God takes that love away? I mean, is that, I mean don't, haven't you ever felt like you didn't fit in at church? Or haven't you ever heard someone say something harsh at church and say, you know, you, you need to get right with God because of this thing and that thing in your life. And because you've made, and some of these things you can't even control. But you're here, and so you don't seem to be afraid of that anymore. So you don't think I should be afraid of God either? No? I think, you know what? I know why. I know why. I got it. It's because what you're saying to me is that there's a difference between people and God. And our understanding of God's love changes over time. 
See, help me, you help me remember something. You see, David, King David writes that psalm that Harbo so eloquently read about a thousand years before John wrote his letter saying God is love. And that makes sense. You know, there's a trajectory to, to the scriptures, and there's even, no matter what the topic is, we seem to gain understanding of all sorts of topics as time goes on. And so I guess what you're telling me is that I should focus on John's letter, that God loves me no matter what, and I don't have to worry about other people being critical of me when I'm in pursuit of a life of love. So I'm getting, that's what you're telling me, right? You guys really know how to lift a guy's spirits down. <laughs> that's good. So I'm going to do what you said then. I'm not going to be afraid of having to live up to everybody else's standards. And I'm not going to be afraid of God's judging me. I'm going to believe that God loves me. He loves me no matter what. I'm going to believe that. But if I'm going to believe that, then you, then you also must live without fear of other people's opinions when you're in pursuit of holiness and righteousness. You must not be afraid of any man. And you must not be afraid of God's judgment either. Because when you love one another, God's love abides in you. God abides in you. God abides in you, and that perfect love that abides in you casts out all fear. All fear. And so remember the commandment that Jesus gave us to love your sister and brother, no matter who they are. Go and love your sister and brother. Amen.
So we're hoping that you all will join us in the chorus of this song. The words are printed in your bulletin. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the chorus. We'll sing it once so you can hear how it goes. Then we'll practice together. And then it'll come back a few times during the song.
Amen. You may be seated. And at this time, I would like to invite forward all of our new deacons and elders who are going to begin serving this month. They've already been voted, so only two that haven't been voted are Lauren and Christian. So you may recall back in January, we had a congregational meeting, our annual congregational meeting, and we voted on most of these people. We voted to receive them as our new elders and deacons. (coughs) Um, Since that time, one elder and one deacon have decided that they are not going to be able to serve for a variety of reasons. And so Lauren Halsey and Christina Warner have very kindly stepped in and are going to serve those terms. However, you all have not yet voted on them yet. And our book of order says we need a vote. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to have the shortest congregational meeting ever um, to vote on Lauren and Christina, and then we will ordain and uninstall all our officers. So, so hold on, I got to open in prayer. So let us, let us pray. Loving God, for the many ways that your people serve your church and serve your community and serve your world, we are thankful. Amen. So I also have to, according to our book of order, take nominations from the floor. Anyone nominate an elder or deacon? Hearing none. Uh, <laughs> I ask those of you who uh, vote for Lauren to be serving as an elder and Christina to be serving as a deacon to say aye. Aye. Any opposed? Excellent. I'm going to close our congregational meeting also with a prayer. God, we thank you for Lauren and Christina and for you calling them into service of this church. Amen. All right. That was fun. Now, (laughs) now we get to the part where we ordain and install our officers. So, Susan. Okay. Speaking for the people of the church, I bring Marsha Gould, Lauren Halsey, Harbo Jensen, Ron Messerve, and Anton, Anton Schwartz and Hugh West to be ordained and installed as elders. I bring Sue Hagen, Carla Lantier, Sandra Masson, and Christina Warner to be ordained and installed as deacons. All right, so as you all know, we have a whole bunch of questions to ask you. Ted and I are going to ask them. He's going to actually stand behind you to be at the microphone. Don't, like, think you have to go back and forth. Just listen to Ted's voice behind you, okay? So Ted and Susan are going to switch places, and he and I will alternate the questions. So do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior? Acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church. And through him believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you? And do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ in the church universal and God's word to you? So, say I. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as expressed in the confessions of our church as authentic and reliable expositions of what scripture leads us to believe and do? And will you be instructed and led by those confessions as you lead the people of God? Will you? And will you fulfill your office in obedience to Jesus Christ under the authority of scripture and be continually guided by our confessions, say we do. 
Will you be governed by our church's polity? And will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues in ministry, working with them, subject to the ordering of God's word and spirit? Will you? And will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbors, and work for the reconciliation of the world? Will you? Do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church? Do you? Will you pray for and seek to serve the people with energy and intelligence and imagination and love? Will you? And for those of you who, we, who will be serving as elders, will you be a faithful elder, watching over the people, providing for their worship, nurture, and service? Will you share in government and discipline, serving in councils of the church? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? And those of you who are deacons, will you be a faithful deacon, teaching charity, urging concern, and directing the people's help to the friendless and those in need? And in your ministry, will you try to show the love and justice of Jesus Christ? Will you? Okay, and now Ted and Susan are going to switch places again, as Susan has a couple of questions for you all. Do we, members of the church, accept these people chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to lead us in the way of Jesus Christ? Do we agree to encourage and respect their decisions and to follow as they guide us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church? All right, and now my favorite part. Uh, we're going to lay our hands on you. So if you ever have served as an elder or a deacon, either in this church or another church, I invite you to come forward and lay your hands upon one of these people. And if you can't reach them, just lay your hands on the shoulder of whoever might be in front of you. Some of you can come around the back, too. So we do this as a reminder to you all that you are not serving alone. Certainly, first and foremost, you are serving with the love of God, but you are also serving with the love of all of these people surrounding you. Truly, not only these people laying their hands upon you, but those people sitting in the congregation as well. So know that you do not do this by yourself, but we do. We serve with each other. So let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you for those in all ages who have been called to tend and to care for your church. Today, we thank you especially for Marcia, Lauren, Harbo, Ron, Anton, Hugh, Sue, Carla, Sandra, and Christina, whom you have called to serve in this household of faith and in the world which you have entrusted to our care and keeping. Send your Holy Spirit on them, O God, that they may serve among us with joy and faithfulness. Guide, inspire, empower them, that by their service you may be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated, and thank you. Thank you for your service.
while they're being seated, I want to encourage you, if you have an extra moment following worship, I want to encourage you to take a look at Finley Hall, which is the hall just out and to the left. Many of you know that we're going to be implementing a new Sunday school curriculum in the fall. And we have been busily training for that curriculum this weekend. So we have all of our supplies laid out in Finley Hall, and it's quite a sight. So I invite you to just take a look and see what our kids are going to be getting to experience in the fall. If you have kids, maybe show them. There's a sign that says no touching. You can touch. But what we hope will happen is that like, each set will stay together, that baby Jesus won't find his way out of the manger yeah. And into Noah's Ark or something like that. <laughs> but definitely take a look. Um, it's, really, it's really an exciting program. Uh, made possible uh, from funds from the Legacy Fund. So thank you for the ways that the Legacy Fund enriches our church. Oh, Peter wants me to introduce our trainer, who's actually here in worship. That's Kathy right there. She led 12 of us yesterday in just a really wonderful training, and we're going to be back at it this afternoon. So, Kathy, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Being a vibrant, exciting church that we are, that we have a number of things going on, of which they are mentioned in your bulletin, and also on the website, but a few of them I want to call your attention to. One of them is, it's coming Saturday, if you feel like as a parent you need a break, and you have a child that's in kindergarten to fifth grade, we invite you to come drop them off here, and our youth are going to take great care of them, uh, along with some adults as well. We're going to have a great night, parents' night out, if you... Uh, if you'd like to be a part of that, please RSVP and email me or just let me know. Also, there's going to be a meeting this coming Sunday about another trip to the border. And so if you're interested in that and uh, the information that might come out of that meeting, then please uh, make a note of that and put it on your calendar to attend. And finally, if you haven't gotten enough from me, uh, right after this service, we have a Bible study that we've been doing as part of our Forward and Faith series. And I'll be leading a discussion on chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, which notes many, many different people who move forward in faith. So if that's interesting to you, and, or you just really want to hear more out of me, you can come join us then. Of course, Jeff, we can never hear enough out of you. <laughs> May we all stand. <laughs> I invite you to stand for a closing hymn. You know, technically, this is a Christmas song we're about to sing, but I kind of figure we can celebrate God's love made known in Jesus any time of the year. I invite you, after we sing it through maybe once, to put down your hymnal. It's very repetitive. I bet you can do it just sort of looking up and singing with joy. He came down that we may have love. He came down that we may have love. He came down that we may have love. Hallelujah forevermore. See, you already got it. He came down that we may have love. He came down that we may have love. He came down that we may have love. 
Thank you. 